Welcome back, everybody, to Evolving with Corey Castle. I'm Corey Castle, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Tony Myers. Oh, my God, what an introduction. I'm sitting over here, like, distracted, doing some other goofy <laughs> things. But no, I'm right here with you, man. Right here with so, you. Uh, before I say anything else, before I say anything at all, anything else at all, before I ask any kinds of questions, I just want to make sure uh, – I just want to make sure – I tell you before we get started with anything else, I freaking love you, man. I have oh, such, I have such a such wow. a such a special place in my heart for you, and the 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 amount of times that like you've you've built me up and put me put me in a place where I felt important when I didn't feel important has been so precious to my life, and uh, I just want to thank you for that and tell you. That I I hope you feel I hope you feel the same way and I hope you feel as welcome <laughs> as you've made me feel in in your friendship. No, oh, wow, all that's really humbling, and I I'm not good with getting compliments because I'm usually like searching for sarcasm or thinking that somebody has an agenda. <laughs> and I guess that's what I get for being around the weird world of wrestling and all the weird people that we meet. I but, think uh, I think it's also like a, a being from the Northeast thing too. Like I think it's like. Yeah. I think it's a part of like we're we, we we're jaded by people's niceness because we don't think it's sincere because lots of people have <laughs> have treated us in an insincere way when they're trying to act like 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 we were just talking about when people try to babyface you and go, hey buddy, hey buddy, and and try to try to make it like they're 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 this good person who's like signaling and some it, it's sort like of virtue that they don't actually have. Yeah, it's like it's it's always sunny in Philly. It's like that moment where it's like, uh, it's Mac's mom. Dennis goes up to her and he's like trying to get back at Mac for messing around with his mom, I guess. And he's like, he's like, hey, it's me. And she's like, what do you want, Dennis? You know, he's like, don't you think I'm handsome? And he's like, she's like, no, you're not a very handsome man, Dennis. Not at all. No. <laughs> he's like, she's like, what do you want? You know, it's like, what, what's your agenda? Like 17 years of living in Memphis. I could never get used to, you know, you walk into hospitality. Yeah. You're walking to Walgreens or Walmart or whatever. Second that somebody establishes eye contact with you, you're like, Hey, you know, just try that over here. Anywhere in the Northeast. <laughs> like, can I curse on this thing or. Yeah. Yeah. In case, say whatever you want. No, I mean, it's the whole Northeastern thing where they're like, what the fuck do you want? You know, versus like down there's a like, little oh, Bubba, relax. Just saying hi. And it's like, <laughs> What do you want? I could never get used to that. Even after like 16, 17 years in Memphis, even coming back home, I could still never get used to, I could never get used to the Memphis way, but it's like Northeast Jersey. It's like, everybody's like standoffish. Like you casing my shit or what, you know, what do you want? You think somebody's always up to something for sure. Like, I mean, cause it, it, it appears that a lot of people are up to something. Yeah. I mean, it's the fear of the unknown, stranger danger. You're taught it from a young age, and you just kind of roll with it because you don't know any better. And you don't right. want to be one of those things where you didn't listen to somebody, and they go, ah, look what happened now. Say, you should have listened to me. You have to find out the hard way. 
So <clears throat> I want to give you the opportunity. I want to give you the opportunity because, dude, uh, as 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 most people who are listening and checking this out for the first time don't know, uh, one of the the like lengthiest, like most like like outdrawn like conversation most conversational like you can go anywhere with any conversation and it can go forever if if you choose for it to go forever like our conversation here now oh yeah it's it's gonna be difficult it's gonna be difficult me being like i know this whole thing's gonna go by in like five minutes it's gonna feel like everything goes by in five minutes but like (laughs) what would be the cutoff point because i'm telling you right now like i'm an open book and i've always because I always, I was always scared that if I lied about something, it's like, how would I remember what lie and what to cover that yeah. up with? It's it's got to be exhausting. It's got to be exhausting to try to keep track of lies like that. Yeah, how many times have I like walked into a locker room? And they're like, yeah, I was. Uh, also, I was one of the executioners on the tour of New Japan, and yeah, that was me under that mask. It's like, yeah, right. So if you know, for so many years, anywhere I went. I couldn't ever tell anybody, oh, yeah, I'm Leatherface in Japan. They'd be, yeah, I heard, right? Get out of here. You know, I mean, it'd be the same kind of thing. Although now you could, like, look it up instantly. But even mm-hmm. so, just on the onset, you're like, no, you're not. Oh, there's a hundred of those. And it's like, no, there's only been three of us christened by the office. <laughs> it's not like, it's not been like a whole lineage. Like, oh, they just threw that on anybody. No, they did that with other gimmicks in Japan where they saw them mm-hmm. work. Like the Uchu Meijin power like outer space, light your hand on fire, uh, monster. They put that mask on damn near every member of every friggin' roster that was using that gimmick. They kept burning out of the candle at both ends because it was successful. So you, you know, you have a whole bunch of them. So, so from, let's say, let's say from the early nineties till now, Describe describe what you can about like what kayfabe has become, because because back then uh, back then in the nineties it it was it was really it was really secret it was really um, protected. Yeah, it was something and that you the, held on to. The now inclusion. nowadays it's a feather in the cap if you do not, and I still do believe in it though. You don't want to tell some girl that you're dating what you're really getting paid because she's like. She'll just look at you and be like, God, that's all the money that you can get for her. I thought, you know, because I think everybody on TV or anybody that wrestles is famous and making a lot of money. So I still believe in kayfabe in that sense. I still believe in kayfabe. Like there are so many things I had to keep to myself in dealing with um, battleground championship wrestling and dealing with O'Neater. There's so much that I must, must, must kayfabe. And I got to wait for these things to come into fruition for me to even speak on them and even say what's going on or what was going to happen or, you know, and then it becomes one of those things too. It's like, you're not going to believe me anyway, because it sounds far fetched, but no, this is what was told to me. This is the reality of the situation. Like, so there's a lot of that too. And there's the, 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 um, the, the thing I live by as far as like, not, not announcing anything that I'm doing, not, I don't think that has anything to do with kayfabe either. Not trying to like overly share anything, but as far as like, yeah, we do, we do kayfabe shit and keep it to ourselves because like, what if I come out and I say, Oh yeah. Like next week I'm winning the heavyweight championship. Yeah. And then, and then it doesn't happen. They made some changes cards have to change. You're not getting the heavyweight champion. I'm not, 
I'm not yeah, going then out you're there. You're just a guy left holding a bag that was a liar. So I mean, right. Right. I'd rather people see things come into fruition. Like I, I knew of the main event. Um, talking about the thing with like me, PCO, Bully Ray, and I'm team with Onita. Like knew of the main event. I just told everybody I was like when they announced that main event, like holy shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just for me and and that kind of thing, um, means a big deal to me because you know I mean who didn't become a fan of ECW and look at that and you know, full wind. I'm back in America. I'm, I'm with a guy that's like pretty much the forefather and God of, you know, deathmatch and all that stuff. But like, even then Americans like extracted all the wrong values out of all the death matches. They didn't well, like, you know well, what I mean? Like, imagine yourself in, in Memphis in Memphis in like the early two thousands when you were doing those like uh, sex and violence shows in bars and stuff and putting yourself through that hell that you were putting yourself through with all the, all the scar on your own body up. Imagine if that person knew that one day you'd be in a, in a a triple threat or what what was that? A six person tag match that had, that had Bubba Dudley at the arena. If if you want to name drop, it's like that, that 10 man that took place down in Texas during WrestleMania weekend. It's like we're a team with the rock and roll express Cole Cabana, Juice Robinson. Yeah, all, all, like name drop serious names. Yeah. Jimmy Wang Yang and all those guys. Like, um, it's not me name dropping for the sake of name dropping. It's like, look, look around you. Look at what you surrounded yourself with. Like, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, if anything, it'd be like a feather in my cap. And and it's another one of those things, too, of like, um, it all came in full circle. Because, I mean, my goal from day one is like, latch on somewhere. And I only had two goals breaking in because WWF was like right in my face from the get-go. All the Mike Sharp guys were going up there and doing jobs. And then um, before it became extreme, like Gino Caruso, and and they were using Savaldi's guys. And Savaldi was like 20 minutes from my house. So it was like at an early age, you're doing, you know, extra work for WWE. You're getting the shit kicked out of you in WWF. And you're doing the same thing. Like eventually it was like with WCW. And it was just like... I'm not going to, I knew there was only so far stateside I was going to go because my goal was always like wrestle in Memphis because just because I was a big Memphis fan. And then same thing with Japan, especially the obscure Japanese indies that were all popping up when, uh, from the minute I started going over there in 94. So it was like, mm-hmm. you know, so much so soon at such a young age, but like I wasn't smart enough to look around and take advantage of it. I just, I, all this was happening. And by then I'd been like five years in. So you think I would know better, but I was too busy not paying attention. And I was too busy, you know, that there was so much more I should have learned before I stepped into that kind of shit. You know, like the first two years, you're just dwelling around. I wasn't even like trained. I went up to like Larry Sharps a handful of times. I didn't have any kind of mentoring and, you know, I didn't, I didn't get broken the traditional way. I started, I did, I did it backwards. I had matches before I was even trained. <laughs> and, and and that was, that was when the business was protected too. Yeah. Like, and it was they, very protected, but like if they got desperate enough, they're like, you know, I did ring crew. And then two days after I turned 15, they hand me a mask and they're like, Hey, here, you know, we need, we need people kid in the middle of a snowstorm. So it was like, Two days after I turned 15, all right, I'm in a battle royal. I can say I honestly had a match. And then they brought me 
back and put me in a tag match like the show. And now when you go back and you watch that stuff, it is so frigging cringe. You're like, oh, no, this is – it's great to go back and watch. I even have a – there's a – it's actually – this is the video cassette. You ready for that? Mm-hmm. It says million dollar championship wrestling. You know what it is? It's me at like 12 years of age and I'm wrestling a couch cushion for like four hours. And I come out as like Lex Luger. Then I come out as Rick Steiner. Then I come out as, you know what I mean? Like I come out <laughs> as the whole WCW um, roster. And it, it's, you know, of course in the latter years up to when I started wrestling. Yeah. Like I said, um, come out as Sting, or you know, just do their moves. I'm not like dressed up like them or nothing, but it's it's like, so I'm 12 years you, old, man. That you that you have footage of that still. Like I I don't have footage of when I was first starting. When I was when I was 14, 15 years. Uh, maybe I maybe yeah, you, I have you broke like, in. Here here's the coolest thing, and like. I think the both of us do like uh, the strange osmosis. Like we got our chance. Like what was cooler than ECW back in like 93, 94 and all the rest of, you know what I mean? It was like the coolest place to be. And then you're like from right around that area. And then the new ECW was CZW. And there you were as like a teenager, like um, even if you don't grow up, like we're just fortunate enough to have grown up where we grew up geographically. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. What if, what if you and I were born somewhere in the middle of Oklahoma? We didn't never had that opportunity to be, you know what I mean? There's no opportunity uh, great, to be around. Great, grateful every day for the privilege of being where I'm from and uh, the surroundings of where I'm, where I live and where I've lived my whole life. Uh, well, dude, you know dude, what? I think go, t- going t- back and talking about, talking about like, when I was a when I was starting at CZW when I was when I was a kid I had started at a different school before that but I won't I'm not going to mention but there were you know monster <laughs> monster monster factory rejects and uh, I I tried I try to tell people all the time you don't know what you're getting into until you go there so it's just like um, I was a lucky idiot I stumbled into Larry Sharp's gym because I heard monster monster factory the place and then uh, my brother's friends who graduated high school with them they were still like hanging around jersey so i would bum and get rides from them and then the more wrestlers that i met you know i just you know what i mean you're 15 years old where are you going you're years away from you're a couple years away from legally getting your own car and then the stuff the wrestling i couldn't find on weekends i was like working at Shoprite, pathmark uh what kentucky fried chicken for a while uh, mcdonald's and you know it was like once i got around the food because i mean Growing up in like an overprivileged, like all Italian town uh, in Jersey and then like having a parents that were way upper middle class, uh, you know, and left you as a kid like there's something else out there. There's a whole world out there. Like, you know, you you know, you could always beg your parents for money. But why do that? I mean, uh, they had to bust their ass as hard as they did for them to get somewhere. You don't want to be there to mooch off. And you're like, no, I'm going to do what they did. I'm going to pave my own way. It's like just as my parents came to America. I could get to go to Japan and um, all right, cool. You know, I could do the same thing. Like I could make my way in a foreign country where at the time I didn't speak any of the language. I just thought it was so neat. Um, so I, I always felt that I could follow in those footsteps. So if they can make it, I can honestly say in the same 
contacts like in a foreign country. I got to make it. I got to do. I got to navigate through. It's just well, my know. way was so unorthodox. I didn't see it being hurled at me. I didn't know about these things until, you know, once they came up on me, I was like, oh, wow. And then I would have to look back and realize, Jesus, you're like the luckiest guy. You know, what 20-year-old kid is being flown over there? But then I realized later on politically what had happened and how I even got there. And it's just, mm-hmm. all of it's just dumb luck. <laughs> Anything it's, it's I got right. out of it was just complete, not for stupid dumb luck that I just stumbled into. Although, you know what? Coming up at that Legends of Hamburg thing, um, I haven't seen Harvey Whipple in town down Bruno. I haven't seen him in over 20 years. He was the guy. Every single week I'd walk into that Memphis studio, you would look across the lineup sheet, and you see the job guy's names penciled in. He was the guy responsible for it. And eventually he got to the point where, you know, I had been hanging around there a couple of years as a job guy. Bruno would walk up to me and be like, you got two choices. He's like, you could either wrestle Tommy Rich. And then he was like, wait, 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 cancel that. He's like, you got three choices. He goes, you can either wrestle Tommy Rich or you can wrestle Gangrel and it'll be a competitive match. Well, he wasn't Gangrel back then. Or he's like, you could get squashed by Sid Vicious in like 20 seconds because Sid's got a bum shoulder. And I mean, who gets to that, you know, where you get to like finger pick, you know, cherry pick because you're the guy that brought the ring and, you know, you've been around there so long. They actually trust you uh, to do good, not hurt nobody, not screw nothing up and everything. So, I mean, I never thought, and I was only 20, 21 years old at the time. Who gets that kind of pull or stroke to where you get to like, so, you know, I was like Mm -hmm. a mark. So I wanted to like go after the names that I hadn't wrestled before. I wanted to go Mm -hmm. after the, the people that I could mark off later on in my life is like, one of those bucket listings, you know, before that well, became like, a buzzword. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I fully, I fully had the, the whole bucket list thing that, uh, dude, I, I mean, think about, think about how long I've been wrestling at this point. And I go, Oh, like, Oh, I wanted to make sure I just had a play. I had a booking somewhere where I got flown somewhere that just, that just happened to me now after, <laughs> after all these years of doing it. So I mean, I fully understand and relate to bucket list stuff like that. It took me for and dude, and the fact that like I was wrestling already, like probably 15 years before I ever gigged. And I came from a place where <laughs> gigging was commonplace. Yeah. Or they were just all over. They were lying with them. You know what the funny yeah. thing is? Like, it's going to sound so weird to say. Just how addicting. Like, I got a buddy of mine here locally in Jersey. Um, he's been going at this thing for like eight, going on nine years. He actually, you had him on his show. You know, it's so funny because I brought up to him and he goes, Oh, yeah, I did that show. And I go, Even you did that show. I was like, Here I am. The magic number is what, 277? Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, it took this guy, right? Am I pointing to you now? It took him 277 episodes to realize eh, we, we need Tony on here. We should get Tony on here. 277. Well, you were out of the country, Ben. You were out of the country, pal. I was, we can do I this was asking. Out of the country. We can do this anyway. No, um, but after his eight, nine years in the business, talking about this buddy, and I just got through wrestling him like not even an hour ago, which is why my hair looks like a big 
goofy. I would have to explain this. You can relate with the long hair. Oh, yeah. I, I got to explain that later. But um, mm-hmm. he with him, he got to do his first barbed wire match. And um, there's a time and place for it. They had been building this thing with him and this other guy. And, you know, um, and I told him even before he went in there because he's like, give me other am... give me other context clues so I can try to figure out who this is that you're talking about. No, I'll just say it. it's Alex Riemann. Oh, the okay. artist formerly known okay. as Aaron Bradley. Yeah, yes, yes, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, Baron Badley. No chance <laughs> that he actually mentioned my name when he was on here. But anyway, <laughs> um, here's the thing. I told him I was like, it gets addictive because you see you could get away with doing the first one and you're relatively unscathed. And then you're like, Yeah, let me do another one. And let me do one after that. Let me do one after that. Like there was a spot at one time in the ring. I told him I was like, just be quiet. Don't say anything don't stomp your foot and i'm saying that as i'm picking them up and i gave him like you know the ram thing you know the headbutt on headbutt which sounds phenomenal and and he goes i didn't even feel that because i gave him two of them where i was just like you know Shh. and it's like you know 200 people so it's a smaller crowd so you're like Shh, listen to this you tell people and you just donk you know mm-hmm. um it's the thickest bone in the entire human anatomy that i know so mm-hmm. anyway um I gave him like two of those. And of course, second one, he takes a big bump and pin, one, two, kick out, all this stuff. Anyway, um, I told him, I go, you see how you got away with, you know, you figure you got away with the first and second ones. And then you just one up it, you know, and then you go, I'm not going to headbutt him like harder. And then it's going to like sound better, like two rams. And you, you can see where it really screws up your head because you're like, oh, that was that was fearless. That was painless. That was cool. You can see where guys up the ante from there. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's no different than we long time ago with that match. We we lost the plot. You know, it was like violence for the sake of violence. No. It it, that, it really it really became less about like uh, a craft and crafting a story, and it became just like, oh, we're gonna get we're gonna make this pop happen and this pop happen and this pop happen. And it's more. It was more about just like the oohs and the ahs than the than the than the build and the and the the the, the fun of it. It's like I, I I think I can imagine. I I've never I haven't done a whole lot of deathmatch stuff, but I good can imagine you. how That's I can imagine for you. <laughs> the the fun of it because like yeah. I've done tons of I've done tons of tables and ladders and chair spots, and those don't hurt as bad as you'd think they would. And the reaction, the reactions are huge, and you're like, okay, yeah, all right. But when it comes to like going beyond that to other stuff, like I can imagine, I can imagine like light tubes not being that bad. I I've done barbed wire; it's not that bad. Like we're tough; we can take it. Like I, I it's probably really bad for other people, but like we're we have a we have a level of callus. We have a level of callus built up. That needs to be a word that's incorporated into wrestling in every which way, shape, or form. Because going into today, uh, my back, it was like if I sat in a certain way, it would just feel kind of tricky and cricky and and just weird. And um, so I went in there earlier today with this guy and, you know, I just said, we're going to feel how my back feels. And, you know, I'm going to know, I'm going to do what I can just to sweat my ass off in here it's physical and, you know, one, two, even at one point I go snap my baby back over and just pin me. And, and that just 
like me a way of me punching myself saying, dude, your kick out was weak. I look like shit. Like put some effort into kicking out. Like that shouldn't be me. Even at 48 years of age, it's like if you're not going to kick out with any kind of enthusiasm, you don't belong in a damn ring. If you don't have that much love for for what you're doing and what it's like to actually bounce off the ropes. And because like I explained to you before about you and I, we got fortunate because of the region that we were born in and what we were getting into as we were kids. We were right there. You were very close to Philly. I was that I wasn't that far from Philly at all. And the whole Northeast Jersey scene was just crazy back then. I mean, it was just so much fun. But um, now I'll explain how that ties into religion Like later on. That, that's got to be a point that I make. But there's an operative word right there, callous. So I developed this callus, uh, and I want to keep developing that callus and have that, like, that, that sewing finger, they call it, where you, know, you could take like a, a pin and literally just like poke at your finger, and there's no big deal because you have that. Callus needs to be a word that like, all professional wrestlers need to use because – your body just develops the tolerance for all the, the bumps and the sweating it out and just mm-hmm. constantly working on some reverse this, reverse, side of headlock, hammer lock, top wrist lock, you know, sit in, you know tie in, switch in. We, we, uh, we do stuff like this. We, we call stuff. This is so normal, these hand motions and this this stuff when it comes to conversations that we're having. It's universal. But it it's universal. ridiculously universal to us. But to anyone not in this who isn't who you know, has the funny never thing stepped is, like, inside the ropes? You go and you wrestle a bunch of locals there in Australia. They do the exact same thing. You wrestle the Japanese young boys. They're broken the same way. They're taught all the reversals too. It's mm-hmm. just so Mexico. They might work the right side, whatever, but this is so universal. And we're all bound together with this one thing. Like I that is that is great. But it's like I tell guys all the time, I was like, if you're gonna do something and not not interact with people. Or show out. There's not some kind of showmanship to the people. Like you might as well just sit here in this wrestling, you know, school or whatever, and not bother about going anywhere else because you're just doing crap to entertain yourself. You're not doing it for any of those people out there. You might as well just do this in a wrestling school to stay in shape or as a hobby or as a way to like keep in shape because you're not doing it with any reason or rhyme. You're just doing it to pop yourself or you know pop the boys or whatever. It's like. It's like AEW. I know they're on a hot streak right now. They had a great pay-per-view. And I don't understand how people are making these memes and making fun of, like, Tony Khan because I could I could show you a picture right now. It's like Onita sitting there, like, affectionately, like, um, just with his arm, like, around my head. And he's just kind of like, like, eh, all right, kid, thanks, you know. Because no matter what, when he comes here, I got his back, even though we're at war with each other when I'm overseas. Um, you know, I... Here's Tony Khan. The guy had what over half of his roster that was factored into all the main event pictures. Like all those guys are injured and they went out there with what they had left and new guys that they introduced at last minute, like these Japanese guys. And they had a banger of a, of, of, of a, a pay, I, did they call them pay-per-views anymore? Special yeah, events, well, whatever. No, well, yeah. well, they don't, they WWE doesn't call them pay-per-views anymore. They call them premium live events, but, but, AEW is still on pay-per-view that that the forbidden door was pay-per-view yeah it's okay so um basically with this skeleton crew and the way that things weren't planned or whatever they go out there and they just knock it out of the park man i'd want to hug my wrestlers too and say yo you you guys all did a great job man we we did it whatever but it's such like to that genre audience or whatever that you know i mean 
I want to watch AEW grow. And now I'm starting, you know, I'm hearing that the, the ratings are decreasing. Yeah, but the live events, are there not more people attending now? Because, you know, we're post-corona, kind of sort of in our own weird way. And mm-hmm. I want to watch the casual people, you know, catch on. I care more about that and watching a product catch fire than I do about appeasing everybody that's on the internet and everything. I mean, there's no real... There's no end goal there because eventually those people get dissatisfied and they latch onto something else. I would rather see casual people on the street going, hey, the other night I was watching this new place. It's called AEW. And those guys might be onto something there. Like I would much rather hear and endure that as a pro wrestler and as a fan myself, too. I'd much well, rather I hear think- that than I would anything else at this point. And I, I was just talking about this with uh, Mish from Wrestling Soup the other day about how I think the the way to the way to get casual fans like invested, I think, would be to treat it like like kind of like if there was a wrestling news like TV network that was just constant like a CNN with wrestling news. And I thought about like. Don't you remember how the Ring of Honor fans treated Ring of Honor? They treated wrestling, they treated it like the Olympics. Like, they're going to hold up scorecards. Like, oh, that flip right there, that was 8.9. That was an 8.9. You know what I mean? Like, they treat it like the Olympics, and you never saw the you never saw the core people. You never saw it expand much further beyond the core. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, for all the work the, the, those guys the, the put scene. in, and as good as all those guys were inside of a ring – I want to watch it expand. I'm sorry, I'm like rambling. With with the off. with the amount with the amount of resources and money that they have, I I could see it being something bigger than it is instead of like you're playing to the audience who already knows it exists, who already know who all these people are. You have the ability to really like do some like uh character building. There's got to, there can be some like background to these people. There can be some, there can be some like news reports. Uh, and, and I think yeah. if there was like a, a whole channel that was okay. just, it, that was you know, just wrestling news reporters talking about like, it was do- called, it used to be called Occupation of the Indies. Uh, they still aired in Japan. And what they do is they take a one-hour slot and they stick a lady, she's next to this frog, this puppet that this guy operates. And they've used the puppet on like indie shows over there in Japan because it's mm-hmm. so famous. The thing's name is Nikolai. And it usually has a girl broadcasting with him. But for one hour, one full hour, they show, even if it's like a 30-second snippet of like Diamond, uh, of like Saitama Pro, of WWS Japan, of Fight of the Ring of Impact Bushida of like they show like 30 seconds of a place called Neko. They show like 30 seconds of a promotion called Fuck Fighting Ultimate. And then there's a star Crazy Kings, F-U-C-K. And they show independence from, you know, just the smallest indies you could imagine over there. Like I've done Shinjuku Mat Ward Pro Rest and that's got like that takes place on a mat without a ring. Even that 30 seconds that they've aired on Occupation of the Indies, it's like when that hour program is shown, your booking fees can jump up, you know, what it costs to book you. Um, Me, I asked for a healthy buck over there because I got a whole, hey, look, I just got this back today. They screwed up, so they gave me a brand new one. 
Yeah, you imagine what it's like falling there. Yeah, see, it's still yeah, got the tag on it. Yeah, what, um, what is that? What is that? A good, a good ten pounds. Yeah, at least. So I mean, yeah. that's when, uh, like, no matter what, in the gym, like right up in here, it's like an area I got to focus on. Which right. it's, it's kind of neat because you could see it right here. Like you could see, I got the mm. shoulders and all that crap. Um, mm. maybe it's the good lighting in here. Anyway, <laughs> um, for me to have to hold that chainsaw, but people also see it too. Like I'll do, I'll not do the gimmick. And people inside of Tokyo, they know it's me anyway under the mask. These are the most sophisticated, smartened up fans on the mm -hmm. face of the planet. But uh, on the bookings where, you know, a chainsaw, you got to make sure it's got gasoline and oil. and you well, nine gas, gas, prices, gas prices being what they are. <laughs> yeah, they sell it by the liter over there, too. So it's like misleading <laughs> when you look up there and you're like, wow, it's only a dollar 40 cents for, for a gallon of gas. And then you go. Well, that's right. They measure it in liters. Shit. <laughs> metric anyway, system. Um, Met metric system. Yeah, what I was saying, like, you you make it to occupation of the Indies and you watch your booking fee increase. You watch, you know, the money that they normally give you, you can negotiate because you're like, dude, I'm right off of occupation of the Indies. Like, they are biting a piece of my shit. Uh, and to get on there, it's like ridden with politics because there's some people that don't, and then there's other people that do. And then, ah, you know, there's all this weird stuff. But uh, long story short, uh, if you had something like that in America that aired coast to coast, just imagine, you know, imagine this indie group getting on there. And that's like their break, you know, like, dude, they featured us on Occupation of the Indies America for like two minutes. They featured our group. And, and you know what I mean? Like, like stuff like that to me is just fascinating it's fascinating about the world of wrestling it's fascinating about everything but uh the the, the uh you're talking about an entire two, network two, too 2016 i was featured a full page article all about me on pro wrestling illustrated in the magazine it was like a dream come true and i was like now that this comes out i'm gonna get so much more so much more followers <laughs> on social media i'm gonna be able to up my price no one cared. Not one single. Not yeah, one but single. At least you could you could probably print out that article and then take it to like. Uh, I could see you taking it to like you know take it to Kinkos and have them ran off and then like oh, yeah, you know dude. you sign them. And, you to, know what I did? I, used to sell, I sell them at the gimmick tables. Yeah. Yeah, I saw Ace Darling. I saw him uh, a few weeks back when I did that '80s wrestling con thing because you know he's like Tom, he's just like me. He's been. Close with Fierro ever since all of us were teenagers. Like, mm -hmm. um, same thing with Pete McKay's Lower East Side Wrestling. That is where Jersey All Pro started with Fat Frank, Kane D, and his brother Angel. Like, all of us were there as teenagers. Joel Gertner was managing me when he was like 15 years old and I was 16. Um, Chris Canyon came through there. Billy Kidman, I could name Jason Knight, I could name like a billion names, Little Guido, all those guys. Anyway, um, it was just like, uh, you always look at like, and there's like this certain mystique kind of to this day behind Pete McKay's and Lower East Side because so many people came through there and that kind of folklore. But you go back and you look at those shows and, oh, my God, they were atrocious. They were terrible. But it was us in the 90s trying out moonsaults for the first time. What did we know? We were just a bunch of goofballs trying our best to, you know, do the best that we could. 
But ima just imagine there was one channel. Um, I'm not talking about YouTube channel. I'm talking about a channel that aired nationally all over this country. Just imagine stateside here in America, if they had something like an occupation of the Indies, like that would be so fun. Coast to coast, you know, you wow, look at that. That group is airing this. There's me well, in that group. I mean, I mean, I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily saying like independent wrestling companies being featured on this and having their wrestling featured as much as it just being like like independent, like not not independent wrestling, but um, let's say like wrestling wrestling news, like a wrestling news channel, like like Brian Alvarez and like Dave Dave Meltzer and like Mike Mike Johnson. It's just like I love sure, Mike all the time. You know, is it just me? Oh man, shoot! I shouldn't be cutting you off here, but I gotta say, is it just me or is Mike Johnson like the only human being? that's ever been a journalist uh, and, and remain like so heat free and you can't find anyone else say a bad word about him. And if anybody has anything bad to say about him, it's some guy. It's like, no, he just treats you like the loser that you are or whatever, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's almost amazing. Most people just bite their tongue. They're like, Oh, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to talk about it. And it's just like, Bro, dude, how'd you my, get sideways my, with that guy? My experience with Mike Johnson, I'm going to just tell you about the the, the first time I met him. Uh, uh, we were we were talking. It was it was I was at a show that I wasn't booked on, on and he was like, hey, you're good. Why aren't you on this show? <laughs> and I was like, wow, the guy who everybody goes to, like the guy who knows everything. The guy who's like got his fingers on the pulse of like what wrestling news is. Anybody who knows any wrestling news or reports any wrestling news got it from Mike Johnson. That guy, <laughs> that guy told me I'm good. I would you believe? I, I'm fine with never with never hearing another bad review of anything I've ever done before. I'm really never gonna hear another person hate on me or like make me feel shame for anything ever because. This Mike Johnson told me I was good. You know, and, and the weirdest thing is some of the very first shows he ever went out and photographed. Look at this. Uh, let me see. Let me see if I could do this without knocking over the camera because the VHS I wanted to look. I was like looking into the camera and this VHS was Pete McKay's Lower East Side. It's me and Danny Inferno when he was like 15 years old. Yeah. And he's riding with me going uh, here um and we're just sitting there cutting promos and acting silly as teenage kids do mm -hmm. mike johnson that was like one of his first places he ever went to and like photographed amazing i didn't even know he was there at the time but you look close and there's homicide when homicide was like you know teenage kid getting in a lot of trouble and stuff before he like settled down Jay Lava, Jay Lava started there. I mean, like, so many people started that gritty, grungy, Lower East Side wrestling. It's, well, he, it's so a, weird. He's like a How he's it, like an actor now and stuff. Jay Lover. Yeah, like he's, full he's, blown. Like he gets gigs everywhere. I'm supposed yeah, to go with him. You know, one of the jump jumping bomb angels, uh, Yamazaki. She has a restaurant that's in New York, and it's like me, him, Fufu. We're trying to get together like Gertner, and um, I could sit there and name drop. All the brothers from back in the day were all trying to get together and, you know, hang out, visit, um, 
Kurt Schimmel, like all these people. If you know any of those names from yesteryear, I mean, just imagine a bunch of us just sitting around kicking it, talking about old times. And and um, just imagine me finding the VHS of this stuff. Like, you know, if I if mm-hmm. I was to sit there and tour and show you what I've been working on with like a VCR and that kind of thing, you'd be like blown away. Like, how did that survive? And I, you know, you have to understand. Lived in the mid south for like 16, 17 years. All this stuff sat in crates at my parents' house. You know, when I was a kid, I would collect these things and I would record these things. And just imagine coming across, you know, yourself all those years later. Um, same thing with when I went down to Tennessee. Uh, if it wasn't like, uh, you know, the, the old Memphis Territory house shows, if it wasn't that, it was me every weekend saying, hey, you know, going to the office and asking law or, hey, man, these guys aren't competition. It's okay if I go and work this. And he'd be like, yeah, you're not booked here. And so, okay. You know, and then off I was to do that. Unless they burn the town in some kind of way, you would never get in trouble. But it's so cool to like look back at even this horrible, gritty, grainy VHS. At least it exists. So I'm so glad to put it on the DVD and then put it into a hard drive, even though hard drive itself has been a pain in the ass. I had one go out on me, a five terabyte drive. And you can imagine all the stuff encapsulated on that. It's just like, oh, I don't want to lose it. And then they bring it to you and they go, hey, you know, the estimate's like nine nine 999 bucks. And you're like, I don't care. It beats going back through all that old VHS and ripping all that stuff, all the old DVDs. And so it's like, give it to me now. You know, I'd rather have it like that. It's amazing, man, that, that any of that stuff actually exists. It happens all the time. I do random Japanese indies. I, I worked for a place called Battle, uh, Battle Ape. And it was ran by uh, Raiden. And I never thought any of those shows existed. Then one after another, I'm seeing them listed on Japanese websites. And I'm like, I want to watch that. I was like, that's a lot of fun. It's just me wrestling as me. You know, look, ma, no mask. You know, <laughs> Get to have a good time yeah. watching yourself and cringe while you're doing it. So, like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to ignore where you were saying you were you were mentioning that it would come back to religion at some point where 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 was the the lines there and how did they how did they connect okay because the word religion if you take out the l and the i you're left with region meaning where you are born possibly it's denoted to you what religiously what you are from you know from inception Mm -hmm. and it's just like you know, without choice of the matter or not through like brainwashing, but just because, you know, you're raised around it, you're going to lean to one thing or you're going to be rebellious against another. Mm-hmm. I always looked at it that way. Like you and I region wise were right around this area, right around Pennsylvania, Philly, New Jersey. So like we didn't know any better breaking in. We just thought eh, that's the way it is. You got to try new and dangerous crap where there's like, you know, it's like a culture shock when I went down to Tennessee. I was 19, 20 years old, and I'm watching guys in the second, third, fourth match, and you know they're 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 spending 10 minutes hiding a chain down the front of their tights. And then the referee goes to check, and they throw it on the mat and step on it. And then the fans tell the referee it's under his boot. And then the guy kicks it outside the ring to his heel manager. The manager has it, and then the referee asks the manager, and he puts the chain in his mouth, and he's like, mm-mm, mm-mm, "I ain't got you know like guys would sit there and do that." Or guys would sit there for like five minutes. He pulled my hair off, and I'm like, "Oh my 
God, you know, like compared to where I came from in Jersey, it was like I had to push all the way back. Anytime, every night, if I did a flying elbow, threw somebody into the ropes, spun around, gave them like a flying elbow, you know, like lower, be like, oh, what are you doing with those dance steps? And just throw an elbow, throw an elbow, just go out there and just, just wrestle. Stop trying to reinvent the wheels. Quit trying to come up with all this flashy stuff. You know, if you want to be like ECW, go back home and go back home and do that shit there. It's just like, <laughs> and at the time I was like, I just wanted to try new stuff. And the mm -hmm. same thing happened when I got to Japan. They're like, what does it say when we got black mummy, white mummy and iron mummy and you're iron mummy and there's your partners and they're, you know, uh, they're mummies. Why the fuck are you doing high cross bodies and moon salt? And what are you thinking? And they're like, learn your basics. Learn how to, you know, wrestle. And, you know, I was like, sucks. When am I going to get to do any of the fun stuff? Where I And I didn't realize. They would tell me back then, it's too much. Grab a chin lock, you know. And I, and I was like, ah, these old folks, man. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Now I look at things that guys do, and I'm like, you might want to save yourself. Save your body. I mean, like, even the AEW roster, right? How many of those guys are out of commission now? And it's like, they don't wrestle six, seven days a week, but the stuff they do is stuff that they're doing to, you know, stay relevant or, you know, but I looked at the young bucks and I'm like, I don't see how at 40, the bodies are going to hold up with all the, you know, more bang for your buck. It's just death on the they're, knees. You they're, know? they're close to it. How old are they now? Yeah, exactly. They're closing in on it and they're, they're still doing it. They're still, but the hardies, I'm like, Hey, there has to be a cutoff point where they, yeah. you know, the whole read the article that X-Pac and Chris Jericho put out where they were like, right from the get go, people are saying that's too much. And Jericho walked away going, what an asshole thing for that Nick Bockwinkle guy to say that I'm doing too much. And that was in 92. He's like, he just didn't realize it then. He didn't realize it until years down the line that. Yeah, you're right. It is. Just, there's no way you're going to continue. And and with you break it, breaking in with CZW, these guys had to realize, hey, you know, four or five years of this shit. And I'm out of here. I'm done. You know. Well, I I was looking at I was I was mentioning the other day, bro. Like, I mean, look at the look at the 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 early 2000s CZW. Look at the class I came from. Look at the people who I started with. So look, none none of those people are still in it. Like I'm still the only one. Like I mean, besides like like Claude's still around. Yeah. But and like Robbie's still around. But like and those are like two of the nicest guys I met out of yeah. there too. It's, it's 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 tough to say that you're gonna find a lot of a lot of people from season. Like those those people were also people who were over in CZW. I would I wasn't. I never got my full over. I never got I never got the like green light be who you're going to be because I didn't know who I was going to be yet. But I never got yeah. that in my time in CZW. I got to be just like some 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 st student who jobbed to everybody. Yeah, I mean, was, it's the same way with me. The old Everybody's like, oh, yeah, you work. I was like, I was a job guy, lucky to be booked. And then they realized long into it that they just took advantage of it. So it was like two, three times under, you know, different masks or whatever. Uh, Japan wound up doing the same thing with me, but that was a way to, for them to save money, have me do it as brother price and not have to worry about me paying, being, being paid double. You know, they knew I was already there. So it was like a brother right. price. 
And then um, he, there was at least five, six different indies there that were all using Uchu Meijin Power, you know, the alien outside outer space. And then uh, the Demonoya, Uno Dos, you know, using those guys with the rubber mask, the red shirt and the bib overalls. It was just bizarre. And then they would, um, you know, Black Mummy, White Mummy, Red Mummy, Blue Mummy, and Clone of Mummy, and just the Evil Mummy, you know, Babyface Mummy, and all that other goofy. Um, when guys were having fallen outs and starting up their own, because everybody saw the success of New Independence popping up, so everybody, it seemed like, was starting, you know, up their own indie. That's before the bubble burst overseas. Well, like, going into, like, 98, 99, the bubble just just about the burst here in America and the States because anybody with a ring could put it up in their backyard and start their own. And then that was it. We have a new wrestling federation. It's just like, that's some, just some shit that person made up or whatever. But like, um, it was still another place. Like people sit there, they want to bitch about Ian Rodden. If that guy set up a ring next weekend, they would be in the ring wrestling for him. Even, even though it's been exposed, like how much crap that he's, you know, rip people off from he's been doing that for so many years how many times is that guy gonna go out of business and come back but if he sets up a ring in some parking lot next next week i guarantee you people are gonna show up and try to work it and i'll guarantee you there'll be fans there willing to buy a ticket because so. fans they're because fans are paying attention to to whatever he's doing it seems like yeah. Like he's discovered every like not that he's discovered but he's used everybody who's been somebody over the last 20 years yeah exactly and it's like it almost gives it a buyer makes it okay but it's just a place to wrestle you know i'm, I'm not gonna I'm not trying to drag this guy anymore through the mud I, I, at this point i don't care but you know who it is the guy sets up a ring it's basically where he you know it is where he lives and it's got one friggin' working sink he probably washes his balls in the sink and like dumb shit but it's like mm -hmm. it's a place for these people to wrestle so they figure, oh, cool. I get to be seen on IWA, IWTV and whatnot. Mm -hmm. What's the point? You're burning the candle at both ends and you're not even being paid for your friggin' work. At a certain point, you got to like cut it off and be like, I want to get paid for this shit. Most mm -hmm. guys are still, you know, feel lucky at 40 years of age to be booked. It's like, no, that's not what wrestling is. That's not what it should be. You should Bro. be getting paid for your efforts because you know damn well who is ever running this thing is. That they're getting paid. This so is like, a this is a constant pay to play business. Like there, I don't think, uh, bro. Yeah, I, and they'll just keep I, taking advantage of it because there'll be people that, are, you know, sure, okay, use me. I, I mean, the kayfabe of it, or as I'm trying to get this started, and I hope you apply it to yourself too. I've been saying because the lines are so blurred with with. Uh, with social media real real and real and worked shoot work shoot i've been calling it yeah. gray fabe i've been calling it gray fabe because that describes what gray like the gray area between work and shoot that, that and callous what what callous like replace ring rust and there you go those are words that should be in the wrestling vernacular from now till eternity callous uh, as far as like not having ring rust and yeah, that. That should Great be words that are added to the vocabulary from now to eternity. One, one, I want to get it to trend. I wanted to get it to to be a the, to be a thing that I contribute to the to the yeah, rest of the business. Hashtag it. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, 
but I'm saying like, I'm, I'm not going to come out here and lie and say, Oh, well, like I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm, I'm making my nut worth. I'm not, I'm paying to be, I am a mark. I'm, I am just as bad as the, the wrestling fans who show up at shows and pay to see those shows. I'm paying to be on shows. I'm a fucking mark. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay for yeah, then you, like, you expect someone's going to turn around and give you fair dollar and pay you right. top dollar for you to wrestle for them? For what? They, for they, what? They, sh- they should, but it's not. It's not happening. It's like, it's like if I want to be in this business, I have to do this because somebody – okay, for sure, I'm getting paid, but it's not breaking even on what it costs me to – to dude, I put so much money into what I'm wearing, my body. I put I'm, – I'm, I'm a professional at this. I I bring a whole after, production with me. But I, it's like after so long in wrestling, do you not want to get paid? I mean, oh like yeah. uh, say whatever you want to about the range. And I, I loved his work in Ring of Honor when you know they did the whole special K thing and everything. Um, but even that guy the range, he like put the brakes on. He goes, if you're gonna want me to come out and wrestle for you, pay me like a man. And he's like, Don't don't be giving me no chicken feed money or anything like that. He's like, you know, when Ring of Honor was white hot, I was there. And it's not like my skills have diminished. Yeah, I've, I've gotten a couple of years older. He's like, this is ridiculous. Pay me like a man. He's like, otherwise, I'm not doing this. I'm just like, they're always going to find somebody who's willing to damn near pay to do it or feel some kind of loyalty. It's like, I couldn't believe it when, you know, and it all came out that Ian Rotten had owed Jake Chris like six grand. Ian can be very persuasive. Oh, we need this money. I ain't got no money. Uh, if you could just take care of the boys, I'll get you next time. Whatever the hell he does. Um, I can't believe he has person one standing in his corner. You know, but it, it, the much, as much as you want to complain about it or even draw attention to it, it's going to go on and on and on and continue. No matter what. Because there'll be other people going, well, CM Punk came from there. Chris Hero, he wasn't making much money there. And they'll do it. And it's just like, until you break that chain, but there'll still be enough people left over who are willing to pay to be on the show that'll go down there for next to nothing and do it for the next to yeah. nobody for no real reason. Right. I understand uh, like, if you're I, trying to develop your own callus, but it just mm-hmm. when I, you watch like, some of the stuff these people do, you're like, that's just like my my level of risk versus reward versus anyone else who's doing this is different. Uh like I was, I was coming back to wrestling from from brain surgery, and yeah. somebody asked me asked me what my price was, and I told them, and they said, "Why would I pay that when this guy and that guy come down from Rochester, New York, and I give them twenty bucks, and they put themselves up in a hotel because they're fucking marks, and the business is ruined, the business, yeah. like." When when I say when I say like how often and 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 we and I'm sure we've watched it happen at the same time, well, being a being a mark being a mark used to be something that wrestlers wrestlers yeah. would 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 kind of like look down on you for, but like, yeah nowadays it's it's the norm. Where nowadays it's derogatory. Okay. Yeah, everybody just shrugs but, off and they go, oh, well, we're all marks. Yeah, like, true to some extent, but at, if you think I'm going to give levels. Up- yeah, right. if you think I'm going to give up my regular job on weekends to go down there and wrestle, and you know, I'm not going to tell you who or where, but somebody made me an offer, and I'm like, uh, one, I don't feel good and cool stepping in that building, and two, 
It's like, good luck with this new Fed that you're trying to launch or whatever. But I'm sorry, man. I'm not I'm not taking a day a day at night off from a regular job, throwing away a Friday, Saturday night when I could be making sure that uh, restaurants run, you know, the way it needs to be, which just so you know, as a sidebar, I'm in the midst of trying to get my own dominoes overseas in Japan. So it's just like, yeah, killing time in America alone. You know, you need a regular job anyway. So there you go. Then you just sit there and put up with Indian and Pakistani drivers fighting with each other over deliveries. <laughs> it's like you roll with it. But uh, at least it's regular and honest work. I'm getting aside from the point. Anyway, uh, if you expect me to give that up on weekends, the kind of money those guys make on weekends, just working off the gap alone for what? You know, I'm a 48-year-old grandfather. It's just kind of ridiculous at this point for me to do it just to still have that callus and be like, oh, I wrestled the other night. There yeah, is a local I mean, wrestling school five, ten minutes from where I live, from this duplex, that I can go to and, and you know, go there and have my fill of being a fan, jumping around like I'm a kid on a trampoline. There, there's, there's, there's nothing that can replace the feeling of – uh, being over there is nothing that can replace the feeling of that live audience and that reaction. Like that's, that's a, that's a, a drug that hooked me really young oh, and yeah. that, that, that scratching that validation itch. And I, I get it some, sometimes in comedy now, but it's, it's completely, it's completely different. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like in, in comedy and I, I, I've said this a million times but in comedy, it's like, with, okay, when it comes to acting, like I think I'm pretty good at it. With comedy, I think I'm pretty funny and I'm pretty good at it. With wrestling, I know I'm I know I'm good at it. Like it's a thing that uh, I know. But the thing is, like acting is gonna pay me more. Comedy is gonna pay me more, and wrestling is just gonna treat me like I'm just some other nerd who is gonna come in and do it for nothing. So I might as well take less than what I want if I want to do anything. Yeah. You settle for less because, you know, you just I, – I call it all the time parlaying passion, you know. It's like not only have you got this passion thing, but then you realize too, hey, I'm getting in good shape doing this. Uh, so it's like, you know, so then that kind of overrides you caring about the money. But I'm going to stop what I'm doing um, sacrifice the time that I spend overseas missing out on all kinds of you know, Christmas New Year's Eve, New Year's Day uh, Thanksgiving, Halloween, all this stuff kids' birthdays, my birthday, all that stuff. It's like it's going to be worth my while for me to go and do and I know that there's people out there like uh, you know, don't get me wrong, the money helps but money doesn't wind up being everything, even though it's you know, your provided living because you're like, you know, I got enough out of this deal. I'm still far ahead on this deal. Uh, don't need to burn the candle at both ends. That's why whenever people go, well, how long are you going to Japan for? How do I put into words well, until, I don't know, in, until I drain the tank here? You know, I mean, until I start feeling, my body starts feeling awful. And then it's like, oh, God, get me through tonight. That's when I know to tell them, all right, let's wrap it up. And, you know, I'll be back here in, in a few months. Let me just let my body relax because i mean over in tokyo alone you do five six you know you do four five six nights a week seven if you want them because there's always some wrestling thing going on tokyo's got hundreds upon hundreds of things anybody can 
look in Google and, and find the names of various indies all over. Use Google Translate. So when I put it in guys' hands that are like, oh, yeah, you know, look, if I just come with you to your house and if I just hang out with you, I'm like, start now, start to apply now to all these indies just so that you're on the radar. So you tell them, hey, you know, when I get here, you know, if you want, I'll go down to your dojo and work account and show you my shit i'm gonna do my talking yeah i'm gonna do it in the ring you know i mean that's cool uh but in the meantime it, while you're waiting for that to happen it's right there at your fingertips copy paste send it to you know whoever whatever office now they you see they gummed up the works because even pro wrestling noah in japan right now i love nozawa he's been my partner he's been my opponent you know hundred hundreds of matches probably and, and this has been over the course of like, I started seeing him like 20 years ago and he's the booker. Um, but telling people, Hey, for five grand, you come over here to Japan, wrestle we put you up and everything. It's like, it's such an obvious cash grab. Is it to the point now where they gave up on drawing any new fans? Have they given up on drawing any fans and just decided, ah, the boys are going to finance this shit anyway. Cause they're as big of marks as the marks are. What, you know, <sighs> Have we not all taken a humongous step backwards and not lived to see it? Like, we all see it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate I hate for this to be uh, such a downer. I, I really dislike because we're, how... Just because we're talking about wrestling, and that's why. We're talking about something else, anything else. The new Beavis and Butthead. Um, oh, yeah, I watched that. That was hilarious. That's <laughs> a spoiler alert. I don't give a shit. That's the scene with them in the Portageon is one of the funniest, most prolonged jokes, which you could just, you could almost feel Beavis's agony as he's screaming out. But <laughs> it's just so funny for too many reasons. You're like, you've got to be kidding. And it just doesn't end. It keeps going. And you're like, you almost feel his discomfort. The, the, the scene with the Portageon, but especially the white privilege, because yeah. you know they have no comprehension <laughs> level, right? Yeah, like, so the whole no, white privilege okay. thing was one privilege. of the funniest. They, yeah, they just take it's it like, out of context and they're like, oh, cool, we have white privilege. They just run around, yeah, just do whatever they, they want. This this era, this era, it's 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 so funny. It's like that's the perfect like I, it's I'm like a, they I'm a big South millennials Park fan. just to remind you that it, it's just no yeah. different than did you see the uh the latest Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the millennial guys like Try anything and you're canceled, bro. He's just like, yeah, so he just like I, takes a chance on just chops up like everybody. <laughs> like, I only saw got the, like the, a couple of the scenes from it. I didn't watch the whole film, but I felt like I felt like there was some there was some really creative and neat kills. Like if you're a big if you're a big horror guy, I, I'm a I'm a huge horror fan. Yeah, there was, but, but uh, I, I like to point out with the goofs in it. Like, dude, mm-hmm. you saw like. A dozen actors and actresses, right? And you see them run for their lives. And then they come up to the windows. They come up to the windows in the movie. And they're just like banging on the window. Like, like uh, you know, you look close. And there's like a guy like rattling the window. It's like, you're trying to get away from a guy with a chainsaw. Who you've already watched <laughs> butcher a half dozen of your friends. And here he comes for you and a dozen more of your friends. You jumped through the goddamn window. You're trying to fight for your life. Like, what is this? Like, I think, uh, did I'm, I'm, all I'm, I'm, the I'm, actors I'm, get together and universally say, "This is going to be shit"? So we're all going to look like shit anyway. Let's just give them shit, you know. 
Well, like I, I think that, and go going back to, going back to wrestling for one quick second. I think that the, <laughs> there's certain there's certain parts of like calling matches and making things look like kind of shitty, where you're just like, oh, it's pro wrestling, and people just kind of accept that, that this is what this shit thing looks like. Yeah, what? Yeah. Everybody else does it. Everybody knows right. it's fake. It doesn't matter if my punch misses, but it's like, at least try to get into something. At least use some effort. Don't use that as an excuse like, oh, everybody knows it's fake anyway. But then why <laughs> bother doing anything out there? What? <laughs> well, like, I, I mean, my, my, my thought process on, like, stomping. Stomping and, like... I wanted to make sure for the longest time that I wasn't stomping on my punches. I wanted to make sure I wasn't stomping on my strikes because that's what people think is the fake part. So that they think that it's not real because you're stomping, but like you can tell it to my jaw. People have been stomping and punching me in my face for 23 years and I can't eat sandwiches without pain. Here, here's the thing. And you, um, God, what a what a terrible subject change. There's no way to like bridge this gap, but it's something I want to harken back to. You understood the whole thing about me saying like religion, region, basically meaning the places that you're placed in. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If you grow up in an environment where everybody that you know, everybody that you see, all the kids at school, all they do is put down professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. It's not going to skew your reality toward it. You're like, you start to think at time at times. Well, maybe this weird, obscure thing, maybe it's only something that I like, but what the hell, it's what I like, you know? Mm -hmm. So then it makes it okay in your mind to just be very passive about shit. But then something cool will happen or somebody will hit something really hard or lay something in. You're like, God, I want all my casual friends to see this so they can see that wrestling isn't, yeah. it isn't fake or it isn't, you know, or we ourselves, we get so into it, our adrenaline's up so high that we don't care about hitting somebody in the face or you know, your friends, anyway, you ever notice you work tighter with your friends, you tend to hurt your friends more than just casual other people. You go, screw it. If that hurt him, he don't belong in the ring. And you just chop <laughs> back and forth or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. but we're all bound by this weird universe. I mean, next time you're around, look around addressing all these people. There's no other way in life fathomable. Any of these people would be that in the same room people. as each other. Right. They share right. this weird obsession, this weird love for this strange thing that's so obscure and it's trying to look real, but everybody knows it's fake. And you know, you know what I mean? Like there's all that, like all jumbled into one. And, and like, all right, I talk about your situation. I've, I've mentioned to you too many times, obviously off air and everything else. Like it was a huge, huge inspiration. The guy had brain surgery where they shaved, part of your head and and i was thinking how are promoters not looking at that going what a fucking story to tell this guy survived brain surgery fell in the shower and he came back and he's able to perform still to a good level high level wrestling and i've seen you've better. got skill Be you know how good better you are. better better <laughs> when I you got saw better. me it was the like they gave me the surgery and implant, like they somehow implanted how to be better at wrestling. I don't know how, but somehow in that, in like 2012, 2013, when I returned to wrestling, I was better at it than I was before. 
he, I don't know how that he got happened. older, wiser, and it probably just cleaned some of the junk out of your head or something. <laughs> yeah, prob- probably. <laughs> but I like, I-, I always thought, I always saw that and I was like, how do any promoters around Pennsylvania not see? I mean, if you're a person on the street and you heard this guy had brain surgery, you're just your casual fan. You're throwing a bunch of shit at the wall to see what it's like anyway. What a babyface story. What a comeback. And I sat there locally and watched the place that we were working for at the time. I'm not trying to like bash or trash on any of those people. But I'm like, how do you not see this? It's right in front of you. How do you not take advantage of this? I myself am inspired. Uh, I saw the guy, you know, first heard the word that, you know, you fell in the shower. And um, I was like, I myself see it. And I mean, how casual fan wise, the minute that you go to a doctor, and they find out that you wrestle. There's somebody in there that's got to make like a bigger deal about it. But it just like fell on deaf ears because everybody we were working I like, had their own Because I wasn't in because uh, I wasn't in the cool cli- the cool kids club, and I still am not in the cool kids club. I don't know how to get in the cool kids club. I I figure being nice enough for long enough, and someone will allow me access to the cool kids club. But no, I am my own club of my own cool kids. <laughs> and the, the woman, the woman, the, the person that wound up, and you know, it's not to bury anybody, but this is what happened. Uh, here, I'm going to premise this whole story by saying so I spent uh, 16, 17 years in Memphis. Da, da, da. At the time, I'm frequently going to Japan, but I'm like, you know, trying to be cool about that, not trying to be so in your face about it and everything. And because I was living with and screwing and all that shit, um, a fiance at the time or whatever uh, that co-owns or owned the place or whatever. Um, I was like, first things first. I remember we were down in, in, in Delaware and you go, why is it the most experienced guy not booked? And I was like, because just, you know, they need a referee. I didn't have the heart to tell you the time. And I don't want to get involved with all the backstage bullshit and all the shit that's going on with it. It was a way to keep myself out of, out of trouble, out of harm's way. Because, you know, there's going to be all that resentment and everything, which I felt from a lot of that old WPW crew. They're like, oh, God, look at this guy. Who is he? Dude, you, you if only what's, then what's I could have pulled out a resume or pulled out my own, like, cagematch.net where it's like, here, 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 and here. Like, mm-hmm. What's what's but, weird about it, man, is, like, when when you picture like wrestling vet or when you when you hear it when you see when like when people like us who are inside the wrestling business think of of a veteran of this sport we we don't like picture a nice person like yeah. and that's something that i think you and i are maybe changing that perception <laughs> Probably because of who we've dated in the past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, We're not here well, to trash on nobody. We're not here to trash on no one. It's just the truth. It's just the way that it's been. It, it, it doesn't, it doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve us yeah. to look back. It doesn't serve us to look back and be it like, it goes no oh, good. You lived she, and you learned. And- she, she didn't let me No, That was then well, I'm not that person. And it doesn't matter that, that, that experiences. All of those experiences and anything I had been through as far as like not getting pushed or not being the right guy in the right place at the right time, not having the right friends, all of that stuff taught me the lessons that I need to learn to be who I am right now. And who I am right now is the raddest dude I've ever met. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I have nothing to complain about. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a means to an end. It's it's the way that you got there and everything, which I, I just noticed by glancing up here. You remember that cartoon, The Snorks? I had the snork thing going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah. Yeah, friggin' hair. What else are you supposed to do? In all honesty, I don't, I don't know how you cope with this, but um, how am I supposed to deal with that? It hadn't been cut in friggin' eight years, right? Dude, so I um, still pick I, every time I mentally picture you, I never picture you with long hair. Like it's oh, somehow, yeah. like I still picture you with the short hair. Uh, but then, and then I see you again, and I'm like, oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> but I I haven't I haven't had short hair since uh, since I was Grade a little school. kid. <laughs> I, I think I was in high school when I grew my hair long. Let me explain uh, something or, to people when when they want to bring up man bun, and it, it's weird because with the lighting, the way it's hitting my head, it looks like there's a. But if you look at it, you know you can see where my hairline is. Mm -hmm. Which I mean, and with the dye job and everything else, it just it kind of looks like there's like stubble here, and then you know the blonde, the highlights, and everything. It's so um, because you know the mask comes to like here, mm -hmm. like right. Right in there, mm -hmm. and does this. I got a couple new masks made and everything. Uh, it's so anybody could look. Do, 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 you, like, do, you, do you gig above? Do you gig above that when you're? Yeah, but I mean, when, it's when you, when you nine out of ten times because he uses the mist, and there's so much mist being used that you can you know between the red and the green and everything else. You know, you barely have to fucking gig anything, or if you gig the night before, you know, you just touch it or rub at it and you know with the sweat and everything and then it goes over the top of the mask which makes it look even cooler but then you got to wash it all out because you don't want that disgusting uh. rusty smell to it but uh yeah i figured this was a way to separate me from anybody else that's ever done the weather thing we thought of a more modernized way to go about doing it and you know pogo is a huge fan of Leatherface anyway uh so he was always like you know, that wasn't even his real hair in the movie. And I'm like, well, this is just easier for me to friggin' dump a bunch of conditioner in and then sweat it out as I'm wrestling. And then it's cool because then your hair like smells like strawberry and shit. But um, I use coconut. Also, yeah, I mean, you don't get the water damage you would on your hair anyway. But the thing I try to explain to people is if you're going to do the man bun thing, that's safest because look, see the chair that I'm in? If you... You sit there with it in a ponytail like this. You go to get up. You can feel it pulling, pulling from your back. You, you know, I carry around a bag. I carry around my bag everywhere. It's got everything from e-cigarettes to drinks to money to ID to all my stuff's all together, right? So you have the bag over your shoulder like this, and it's just going to yank and pull on the ponytail. Then you're driving. Same thing. Or you're riding the train. Same thing. You could feel the back of it. You could feel it. Look at how long the ponytail itself is. Mm -hmm. It's literally, you know how people go, oh, I got hair down to my ass. No, literally. It's down to my ass. So, uh -huh. I mean, yeah, if you tuck in your shirt, you could feel it pulling out of your friggin' belt, you know, and all that shit, too. Not to get too graphic, you go to take a dump and well, yeah, you don't want to dump right in your hair. Yeah, you don't want your. You literally you don't have your, to pull it over to one side to assure that you will not. It, it's like when you're taking your a garden. piss. It's like it's like taking a piss when you got a tie on. You pull, flip, flip, flip the tie over your shoulder. Yeah, 
I'd damn, I'd damn near rather my hair be in my friggin' tunnel than I would it be down the crack of my ass. It's just, I don't know. Anyway, um, there's no other way to style it, no way to go about doing it. You're going to feel it pulling and yanking out the back of your head. Yeah, dude, there's, man buns are the most practical. I was doing, I was is. doing it before it was even called a man bun. I started putting Me it in too, a bun. Far before I it. <laughs> I was just putting it, I was just, because the hair tie, the hair tie stays tighter when it's up when it's up multiple times. Yeah. So and uh, in the, in the ring working out every time oh, you go yeah. to kick out, every mm -hmm. time that you're on your back and you feel it like you know you try to get up off your back, you could feel it like yanking out from underneath. Guys will step on your ponytail. If you got it up in a man bun, hey. Um, not only that, uh, side headlock. Try to side headlock somebody with a friggin' ponytail. What a pain in mm -hmm. ass. You got to hold it a certain way. Top of the head. Hey, you know, you got that, you know, you could damn near control. It's a stem. It's a freaking turnip hanging off someone's head. It just makes it much easier. <laughs> I mean, everything about it. You fall asleep. No way. No way I'm laying on top of my ponytail. You could feel it yanking as you're trying to pull your head up on the pillow. There's so many things that factor in. I remember um, that goofy homeless Jimmy guy. He, he toured with us over in Japan. He's like, you should just brush it on out in the shower, man. That's what I used to do. You look, and he's got two tiny strips of hair, and it's just like, right on, and you're completely bald. You know, it's like, maybe I shouldn't listen to that advice. Well, uh, I mean, Yeah, no, I always I was a big Smashing Pumpkins fan, so you know the hair where it's just, you know, dyed right here. It's only the crown. And then when I go to touch it up, you know, the front, all stage, you know, what are you supposed to do with hair that long? A lot of people go, oh, cut it. It's like, no, you don't know what a career is. That's why you can say that. When it's your thing yeah. to dress up in a rubber mask and chainsaw and chase around Japanese people, um, you tend to take it a lot more serious about, you know, hair. And it makes it so much easier than that disgusting, itchy fucking that, that wig used to get on my last nerves, man. And I mean... It's just so much easier. You man bun it and then, you know, slide the mask over your face and then let the hair all fall over the mask. Mm -hmm. It's just so much easier than it is wrestling with your whole head enclosed in friggin' rubber, plus the wig on top of it, making it all itchy. Even if you have oh, and then, the shorter your hot. hair, the worse it feels. Oh, ah, the worse. Sounds like a nightmare. But yeah, man, I mean, like like you're like you're saying, the the whole the whole like carrying the accessories to the ring with you and stuff. Like I, for the last, for the last year, I, well, a couple, well, this drum, I carry this drum with me to the ring every single, every single match. Yeah. And you open this every show a, with it too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look, because, I'm even a fan. I'm even a fan of the show. And it took me this long to get on here. God damn, what a loser. But the way I look at this as, as a part of, what we're doing, what are inside of the match, the like me drumming to the like to the ring and inside of the ring is to show how this is a ceremony to me. This is this means what religion is to me. This is warrior shit. This is like some some medieval. Uh, this is this is where this is where I go to war. And I try to tell anybody that listen. It seems so funny to me that my friends who are anti-religious like or you know they're not a believer in anything at all mm -hmm. they are so much more opinionated and outspoken than the people that they're like oh they're jesus people 
It's like, I don't, it's funny to me. I don't hear the Jesus people going on and on like you guys do about how, oh, religion, politics, oh, religion's for people to fight over and all that shit. I never push my beliefs on nobody. You wouldn't know what my beliefs are until you actually found out or I told you. Uh, I'm not in your face. Religion worked for me. Uh, finding Jesus, Lord and Savior. And hey, that worked for me. I'm not saying that's going to work for everybody. So I wish like, you know, if it's going to work for you, I hope to God it works out because it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing to fall back on. It's a really good thing when you, you know, you pray and you don't expect anything in return. That's the best you could make it. You know, where you run out of friends and family and everybody else that you've thanked constantly and you just glance up and you go, hey, thanks, God. That was pretty cool. Thank you for this. Thank you for my meal. You know what I mean? Like um, myself. Yeah, the guy that wrestles Mick, Nick Mondo, huge, you know, over the top religiously, um, in a way, not in your face ever. Nobody would know that about him unless they actually got to know him. Um, so when I was wrestling over in Japan, he'd always be my voice of reason. You know, how you holding up? You're not doing anything crazy, right? You know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, it's he and I, when you have a career that's over there, uh, your outlook on things are you know, Japan, like he pointed out in his documentary, Japan is a good place to go to air out a lot of your head, to just take in and analyze and think about things. Uh, Japan is a great place to, you know, whatever it is that you want to discover, especially about yourself, it's quiet. Um, even if you speak the language, everybody's to themselves. Nobody really goes out of the way to bother anyone. Even if you are a out or rude you're just going to run across the wrong person if you are nobody it's, it's, oversees it's, part of, it's it's a bucket list thing for me to walk the streets of japan till i get lost that's what I, i've always wanted to do that because it doesn't remind I've always, me of anything it doesn't remind me of anything except for the fact <laughs> that i've always wanted to do that i i always wanted to take some kind of random picture and do that and i remember I remember messaging you that picture when I was yeah, over there. Yeah, you, yeah, you and I had yeah. that conversation. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing the Corey Castle T-shirt, so I mean, I was wearing the the faction shirt. Okay, okay. <laughs> when I would have to say, I'd sit there and do commentary on your matches. And the funniest thing is, you guys would come over to my table. And be like, All right, guys, listen, I don't want no problems with anybody. You know, if you're going to commentate, you're going to help me do the commentary. Please do so, but. Please stay unbiased, you know, and not break the rules out here. You know what I mean? Like, mm. there was all that, and that was so much fun. But uh, never at any point in it did I, like, put myself over, because it was all about the talent and that kind of thing. It was just such a weird place to be. And I knew going back up here to Jersey, I'm like, I'm going to have to do all this crap all over again. Like, I'm did, just like. Did you see that uh, that I got that logo tattooed on me? Did you really? Oh, yeah. Team New Era. Yeah. Right I hope you still keep in touch with everybody the... too. Uh, for the most part, for the most part, I I mean, I, I don't talk to Pat anymore, but that's just because he kind of faded away. I know Matt yeah. still talks to him. Matt still talks to him a little bit. I um the funny thing is is um Dave Prazak, Dave Prazak <laughs> tweeted the other day, Dinmock and Matt Bomboy, and that's it. Like he just tweeted their names, and I was really? like, really. Oh, okay. What's up with that? And then like, uh, Eddie, Eddie Kingston, like retweeted it and quoted it and put like, 
put like the the Bash Brothers from Mighty Ducks and a little gift of those guys. And Dave I was like, Prezak. all right. Dave Prezak at one point, he was like, I doubt Onita started FMW on his last $400. I'm like, do you know how many times that story and the foundation of that story has been said to me? How many times over the years they beat me in the head with that story? I know to a dollar by this point, you know, it, and you know, what it costs, how he financed it, how he borrowed money from friends and all this stuff. Basic case in point is the guy took his last $400, start up his own indie, borrowed a shitload of money from other people, this, that, and the other. But in five years, they were legitimately selling out baseball stadiums. Who can do that with an indie? Nobody. And there's a reason that it had a certain appeal and it gets lost so much in the translation. That's why. You have the American scene and the death matches and guys not having a it's death defying. It's not supposed to be anybody dies. It's supposed to be death defying. It defies death. Ooh, you know, we were talking about uh, today, even up there, you know, working out the local wrestling school in Lake Hiawatha, Jersey. I was talking about watch those old matches where the ring is strung up with barbed wire. Pay attention to how few times they hit the barbed wire and how they constantly tease it. And here we are thinking that we've evolved and how that won't work no more. And they did mm-hmm. such, they barely even touched the barbed wire until one of them took a bump into it. And I'm like, that's the way it should be. That's the yeah, way it, it was. A, it, was an, it was an art craft for sure. That, that, and it was. Yeah. How many years that, did that save an Onita and Pogo's backs and, and knees and, shoulders and everything else they so, found a way after after the high level that they performed at for so many years onita's knees were destroyed because he was the top japan you know uh light heavyweight and they were competing against tiger mask and dynamite kid considered two of the greatest ever in their series but i mean these people were competing with them so pogo you know here they are in their 40 you know just entering into 40 and you know it saved them all those years and they drew Huge houses. Oh, if anything, you know, prolonged their careers. It, it definitely, you know, saved them a lot of injuries and a lot of. It wasn't until they started taking asinine bumps, you're like, oh god, that's where they started getting screwed up when they would one up it. All right, I'm going to give you the opportunity right now. I'm going to give you the opportunity right now, right now, uh, to to uh, speak your mind. Freely, as this is as if this was your own podcast, and say or <laughs> say or ask me anything you'd like to say or ask me. Yeah, man, uh, something I've always, you know, had to. Um, for you yourself, you're just simply going to get noticed, and it's not you know a matter of time, whether it takes now or ten years or fifteen years from now, and you're still doing it. I mean, it's just a matter of time. If not that. At least you got to go in there and do it. But I mean, what at this point keeps you motivated and, and going and, and still going? And, and at the level that you are, you're not a kid anymore. What is the actual motivation? Um. <sighs> is it that it's a matter of eventuality that, you know, it's just it'll happen for you somewhere along the way or. No, it's not like that. I wish it was. I wish that that was the thing, but I think or it's still, is it still that much? There's so many layers to this question, or is it still something that you love pursuing that you just love hitting the ropes, 
love getting in there, love doing the bookings, love the company you're with and love the people that you're working with. Is it all that? Or is there uh, it, it's well, hey, it's I'm going to get discovered. It's the, so. the rewards that come with the reactions. It's the rewards that come with the memories that you make for these people. It's the rewards that like when I, when I get in the back and I hug the people that I work with and I taught them something that they didn't already know that that's important to me. It's important to me to, to go, to have, it's, it's kind of neat that uh, not every match that I have is on cage match and it's not, it's not like on, on the record, but it, it matters immensely for those like 40, 50, 60 people that are there. And that's a memory to those people. It's uh, that, that part's important to me. And, and, and the fact that it can inspire, I want to make sure that the, the, that I'm not just inspiring by continuing to wrestle. Yes. Wrestling is great. I love, I love that I get the opportunity to still do it. I, I, I thank God every day that I, that I have the ability to still get in there and do it. But when it comes I, to when it comes to uh, like me I don't I don't come out here and 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 promise you that I'm going to do it. <laughs> I don't come out here and say I'm going to do it and then not do it. I just go out and do it and uh, that's what I I want to inspire other people to do that. And and just say this is the thing that this is the thing that I'm going to do and I tell myself and then I go do it. Instead of just like getting lost up inside of oh I I oh I want one of these days I'm gonna do this or do that or do this or do that I'm just doing all of those things. Uh, right. So yeah, I I imagine it'd be a whole bunch of things combined. Uh, me, um, all else fails and it all you know crashes and burns tomorrow and you know I don't get to wrestle again. At least I will have all the times I could look back and say that I thought I was experiencing burnout that, you know what I mean? That at least those two things met that I had had my fill. I had had enough uh, because I think for the rest of my life, I'll always be watching like um, guys being interviewed or, you know, just some matches that they had or them sharing personal stories or them doing podcasts. Like I'll have that for the rest of eternity. Like, um, Pro wrestling will never go by the wayside of like roller derby. You can find local people that do like roller derby stuff, but it's never going to be like the same as like a wrestling indie show, you know? And, and, and like, if God forbid, if all the fans of wrestling just kind of like faded away, I always kind of looked at it. Like we got to do what we wanted to do, which was just simply wrestle to begin with. And as long as you've broken, even, I don't see any harm in doing that because then at least you broke even, you know, no, I, I no guarantees also, were made to you breaking in. So I think also, um, in a past life, I must've been some type of warrior or showman or some, something like that. It just feels so deeply inside of my DNA that like, it's something I have to do. And I just felt that like, I guess um, wrestling wise, you know, we are the, you know, that we're like the only culture out there that doesn't, that views scars as something ugly or a blemish. Um, we're not, we're, so to me, it was like, uh, I don't have any tattoos. So I thought the scars always 
to me anyway, look cool and they have like an interesting story to tell. But like wrestling itself, like keeps me in pretty good like cardio shape. Even if it's just going there and running the ropes or just monkeying around with friends of mine and, and that kind of thing. Keeps you in shape. And I tend to lean more toward the lower impact stuff. Although I'll do stuff that's for no reason just stupid at times, but uh, like no, like no, a, thought, like I, a a hard headbutt to a guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, up, why would you do up, that? Huh? Like, you you never you didn't have to prove anything to anybody by doing it, or, or to, mm-hmm. you know, to to me it was like a learning process of like, and he still brought it up even today when we were working out. He's like that headbutt that time. I was like, huh? And he goes, do you remember the headbutt? I was like, oh my god, yeah, yeah, I do. And I was like, but it all ties in with the whole his first foray into, um, you know, the barbed wire that that he took or that he went into. I was like, you see now, you get away with it, and it becomes addictive. You're like, let's use more barbed wire, and let me jump off something higher, you know. And it's it's who's the marks here? Who you know? Who, <laughs> for what you, you know? You don't have to do that. You realize that, right? Like. I, I guess if you're you're not going to get noticed by doing that because everybody's done it already, right? Everybody, everybody who was going to get noticed for doing those things has already been noticed. Already been noticed for doing stuff far more yeah. spectacular or far right, right. right. It's got to be something from just out of left field. When Joey Janela got noticed because him and Zandig came off that roof, too many things could have went wrong, which is why you don't see people replicating it and being like. Mm-hmm. Let me be the next person to try it or whatever. They heard what happened. Yeah. That's what the guy who's done it with experience before. You know, it's like, yeah. although looking at like looking at a CZW and even Ian Rotten stuff, I don't know what told guys like that, that they were capable of running their own H2O. Well, I don't understand what tells people like that that they are capable of running. You know, no doubt they got enough help and enough good help all around to pull it off. But it's just like, what told these people they were qualified to run their own, do their own on their own? You know, who were they broke in by? Who showed them the ropes? And when you look around, some of the people and realize who they worn the ropes from, you're like, Oh, no wonder they looked at them and said, well, any dipshit can do that. Anybody can open up their own. I think people go in with good intentions and eventually it just becomes a cash grab for them. I always hated that professional wrestling, you know, draws in those unscrupulous people that just, I don't care that it's derived from the carny and this, that, and the other. It's just like, no, there's just, there's right and wrong. There's being a complete scumbag and being, you know, a straight and narrow guy. There is no area of gray. There is no, well, I'm here to make money or, or whatever. I mean, uh, you got to look at some people and be like, maybe they started out with good intentions. And then eventually they just got to the point where they're like, oh, just any which way I can, you know, doesn't make it yeah. right. You know, it doesn't make it right at all. I mean, those days of, oh, we suckered those marks into buying tickets for this. Those days are so far gone. Everybody knows what wrestling is. Nowadays, when it's used for your own scam, it's just more exposed. (laughs) There's a right way and a wrong way. So I just have a couple more things. I just have a couple more things, and then then I'm going to send you off. 
send you off into the sunset with a hot dog and a handshake. <laughs> All right. So, dude, you've been around for a super long time. You've been on tons of podcasts. Because uh, I won't go away. <laughs> you've, you've been on tons of podcasts. On all the podcasts that you've been on, what's the one thing you've been wanting people to ask you, but they haven't asked you? Oh, God, I thought I had everything all covered. I don't know, because people come out of left field with some crazy stuff. And some of it will be the most general, like, who was your toughest opponent? I'll be like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I still can't figure it out. I don't want to slight what? anybody, but uh, no, you know, there's so many times people have asked me the story of getting started, and they don't mm -hmm. realize that, like, I got to go, I got to go and tell them, first I went to Larry Sharps, and then, then I went to Mike Masters, Rocky Jones, he had ECPW before he sold out his half to Gino Caruso, and then, um, at about that time, I was going to Mike Sharp's place, which Brick Township, New Jersey, and then uh, Bill Demont. Lower East, uh, Bill Demont was Lodi, New Jersey. It was in an old abandoned racquetball court that nobody was using. It's like to have to go through that and explain all those things. It's just like there's no way you right, got I, trained by all I, four. It's like I no, know, we I know, we I know out the, at one. The, the process of being asked that same question so much. That it just made me go, okay, I want my show to be nothing like any of those shows. And for sure, I want to make sure that that if this if if this wasn't my podcast, I'd want this to be a kind of show I'd listen to. If this wasn't like I'd want the conversation to let to head down the path of like something I'd want to hear and conversations that I'd want to hear. And if if, if it's going to be the same types of questions you've been asked on all kinds of other podcasts, like what's, what's the, what's the point? Like, you oh, just... what, are, what are you up to? What do you want to plug? It's right. like, yeah, right. I'll plug away and all that stuff or whatever. But, um, I was always like, you know, people don't, people just talk so much wrestling that they don't realize like everyday life. Like, what is it that you, it's why when I take pictures, when I'm in Japan, every last one of my pictures are, I went into this bread shop here and then I did that. And then I went into there and I did this. I'd rather see people see a normal life out there and just not be so surrounded by wrestling because you're surrounded by wrestling. You have no actual reality in your life. You have no, everything's a work, everything. There's, there's something behind everything, you know, um, everything, uh, Especially because you become desensitized to all the different places that you wrestle and everything like that. Shouldn't have to be like that. There should be an everyday normal thing that you go away, uh, you know, that you go about doing things. Or um, I'd rather see somebody's daily routine. Like, how many people have you looked at and, like, wonder what time he usually gets up in the morning? I wonder what they do now that they're retired. What is it that they do with their life? You know, like, to me, that's much more fascinating. Like, does this guy go and get the paper every day? Does he go pick up a bagel from his favorite place and an orange juice? Like, you know, everyday life to me is like more fascinating because you already know what the wrestling routine is. I've been through that a billion times and I can't imagine anybody else doing anything differently. But um, whether it be a, having like gainful employment just to support your wrestling habit, do that. Do that. When you put all your eggs in one basket, very rarely does it work out for somebody. 
it still blows my mind is, you know, I go overseas, it's a career, it's a living. And to the point where, you know, it's so serious, I'd have my hair in a ridiculous thing looking like this. So um, <laughs> to me, it's worth it. Mass slides up, mass slides on, mass slides off. I'm in the midst of getting like three or four brand new ones. So, mm-hmm. well, I, uh, dude, I want to make sure that I, I, I state this stuff for the record because I, I, how important it is to me. I wanted to make sure I make sure I told you right as we were getting started that like you're, you're an important figure in my life and I, I fucking love you. Like, and there's no denying that it's absolutely, it's absolutely important to me to have that said on the record because I know dude, like this, this recording, what we're doing right now, this is going to outlive us. Right. Yeah. So it's for eternity. Somebody so, someday will discover this and be like, look at these two guys going back and forth. Look at those, look at those two guys with the long hair. Like, oh, look at this. Oh, I found this podcast. Look at what what's a podcast? Oh, it's this thing they did in the year 2022. It was very trendy. It was very this. It was very that. Um so I want to tell I, you I, how I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta honestly say for anybody out there listening, this guy, um, there was never it, it's so weird. Like I would just contact you out of the blue. I felt from the minute I met you. I always got the vibe that you are like a real friendly person, but it was one of those weird things where it's like not too much too fast. Otherwise these people will be like, well, what's this guy about? What, what does he want or whatever? You don't realize it's just genuine friendship. It's just, you know, one person. When I say mankind, I don't mean like men. I mean like human beings, you know, um, here, here's something. It's like a voice of reason. I spent a lot of time here recently on the phone with like with Liz Savage. She asked mm-hmm. for nothing. You know what I mean? It's just somebody that you you interact with on a daily basis, and you tell them this, and you tell them that, and um, just from uh, one ask, person to another. Ask ask Liz Savage about our trip to Jerry Springer. <laughs> and I'll tell you about mine, too. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. Nah, I don't feel like getting up to go run and then bring it to you. <laughs> I have a picture of it. It's uh, a poster from Connecticut. It's me and Tiger Mulligan against uh, Joe Rules and Bulldog Blansky. And it's battled, uh, it's billed as the Battle of the Jerry Springer guests because we had all <laughs> recently been on Jerry Springer that time, around that time. Yeah. Yeah. That was 98, right. 99. Yeah. I was just up here visiting family. And then I wound up doing like a, like a couple months of like Chubb Institute, like one of those units. Because by I, then, other than when Prodigy first came out, I had no computer anything. I think I think that it it came through Sammy actually. Sammy did Sammy got that for us. Yeah. Um, it was through osmosis like uh, uh-huh. we were in the same realm of click of women at the same time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, Sammy was one of the strengthening things and you know what even on a personal note, um I remember a couple months ago I'd done a podcast like this and I just told the story of me bailing on his wedding. I was like, I don't, you know, this is just for people to know. So um, I went and I told the story of that. It wasn't in a way to bash a mutual, you know, somebody that you knew, somebody you're really, it's probably one of your best friends. It wasn't in a way to slander them. It was a way to get the story out there. What happened? Cause I've been asked so many times over the years and I'm just like, don't even, well, was this when you was this was this when you contacted me about talking to talking to him and and yes. we connected you guys? Okay, okay. Yeah, and it was it was weird because it was mm-hmm. between you 
and somebody that the internet community, because this, the guy that has this podcast, he'll just take a shit on people and he'll be like, I don't care. I'm not a wrestling fan anymore. This is the way I see it. I was a biggie. You know, he's a huge CZW fan. So to watch him just as the years went on, it just go and just turn into what it did. You know, he was a guy that was disheveled because how many VHS, how many DVDs this guy probably bought over the years supporting the product, always being there live. And then you watch something that you're so impassioned about and that you love so much and you watch it become so bastardized and this, that, and the other. Well, uh, long story short, you put me in touch with this guy and I just wanted to clear the air. I was like, I was just telling what happened. I wasn't, you know, trying to slander anybody in any kind of way. And you bridge that gap. And here you have no agenda. If anything, you know, you could have made it a lot worse, but you chose to make it so much better. And just like uh, mutual understanding. And I wound up getting his number and talking things out. And I'm like, I realized where he was at that point. He realized where I was. And it was like with me, I didn't care because I was going to Japan anyway. What did I locally? My thought was like here in the States, if I did things like, um, what's this, ICW, no whole bar. And if I did things like GCW and if I kept doing things like uh, H2O and like places like that. I just be burning the candle at both ends. And then the more visibility people see of me, they go, Oh, Tony's willing to do this stuff or nothing. Or, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, they get so used to you that they figure, you know, you don't have to owe much because if he's as over as he likes to think he is, he'll be selling that money in gimmicks or whatever the pay scale might be. Mm-hmm. With me, I could feel the pull. Then I would become like really loyal to this company or really loyal to that place. And then I would never be able to pull back. Because I'd be so further and it would just wind up coming to a nasty head anyway. So I always figured like stateside, like keep the candle from burning at both ends. Let your body relax, pick and choose what you wrestling wise should and could do and that kind of thing. And it's not to slight anybody in any kind of way or for me to act like I'm, you know, something that I'm not or it's not me big leaguing anybody. It's it's me taking a step back going, you know, I don't need this i don't you know uh i overcame my wrestling addiction as far as that part's concerned um that's a good feeling you know that's that's a real great place to be because it doesn't control me if anything i put the brakes on and i choose when to go out here and do this and you know i have friends that wrestle for all those places and i've known the people that promote those things i've known them for years and i'm not about to I broke in as a teenager with Tommy Fierro. I don't need to go to him and be like, can I get me booked on your next, you know, I'm thinking, oh man, I got the truck coming in tonight. I'm short drivers. Oh God. You know, I'm worried more about that to make sure that I'm content. And, you know, got my kid here for the summer. Not going to bother you with bringing her in here. But so. What, what, what I would like, what I would like to do right now, since you brought, since you brought her up, um, and, 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 and as I mentioned, how important it is for everything being on the record and outliving us. I want to give you the opportunity to, to participate in something that I call audio time travel. Okay, so <laughs> someone, someone, someone who cares a lot about you, such as your daughter, would, would discover this audio in, in, let's say, 2042 and, and wants to hear the time stamp this is a time oh, capsule ever... time time stamp of right here right now what messages more, are you giving people... directly to 
more people will tune into my Facebook and be like, ah, that little girl's making wise ass comments again. It's like it's my <laughs> best friend. So like I said, when you tend to wrestle friends of yours, you lay it in and you're you're stiffer and that kind of thing with me and her. It's like, well, it's gonna be my kid forever. So what difference does it make? And she wants to slide in a joke here or there. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you because everybody knows my my oldest, my best friend. You know, it's just kind of the way things happened as things went on in our lives and, and that kind of thing. She lost her mother, you know, at a pretty young age due to cancer. And that's what she's chosen uh career wise to pursue would be to, you know, some some type of remedy, uh, some type of cure for it. And, you know, in, in a way, you know, she inspires me constantly because most interesting human being I've ever met my entire life. Can, can, but, can, what, can you speak directly to her? And you're speaking directly to man, her I, in 2042. Yeah, you, I mean, what are you uh, saying? For what it, it's strange to have. Not only is there the gender thing, there is, you know, the bloodline thing. It's kind of funny because when you have other kids and you uh, denote that one person in particular as your best friend, it's like, that's just kind of the way that things worked out for some funny reason. Um, so to me, it's, it's a force far greater than love and unconditionally, you know, no doubt about it. Uh, she earned that long ago. Just maintains to be my biggest inspiration at one point she tried to follow my footsteps so i was doing stardom's idols at the time it's back in 2018 and she's over there playing volleyball at utica in upstate new york now she's second year post-grad med and um <laughs> I, I just i was relieved the day and this as a parent this sounds so screwed up to say i was relieved the day that she um <laughs> she, she got a severe concussion and I was like, you're not going to do this wrestling thing no more, are you? I mean, I was like, I think she watched a couple of Total Divas episodes and figured she'd try to pursue it. But I was so relieved to realize she didn't want it. And, you know, she was only doing it to follow my footsteps in some kind of weird way. But, uh, you know, God, got to be so proud of the way she turned out and about the way things are. You still there? I think it says I lost you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hang on, I'm just peeing. I just oh yeah, I just got the message. You said you're peeing. Um,
Hey. All right, so uh All right, folks. I guess that's going to be how I wrap up the episode. Uh, Studio. So at what point did it cut me off? Uh, so what had happened was I, I like teed you up for you to like speak. For you to like <laughs> speak and, 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 and like kill time while I like put you on solo, solo layout. <laughs> and it lost me somewhere. I, I don't even know audibly the last place that I got to. I don't know audibly the last place I left off. I wouldn't mind repeating the same thing. That's no sweat. Go, go ahead. I'm, 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 I'm starting to wrap up. Yeah. No, I know. I told you. With me and the way that I tend to ramble, I mean, I could just go on and on and on. But, um, you know, it's not in a way to... You know, it's not one preference over another. It's not one. It's not a way to say that. Oh, I love my kid more than no. It's saying friend-wise that um, she makes a much better friend than you know. Friendship is completely different from actual like father-daughter parenting relationship and that kind of thing. But that's just kind of the weird way that it worked out for us, you know. And uh, me myself, I never wanted to. I got to a certain point where I was like, can't advise her this, that, or the other. Because as a parent, you know, you don't want to derail the road that your kid is on. Obviously, the road is all good and, and you know, it's cum laude for Christ's sake. I never came anywhere near that. <laughs> so I don't want to derail, you know, where the path that she's on. I don't think it's right to step in and try to do that either. Uh, obviously, she's made the right choices and that kind of thing. And I try to keep her about as far away from wrestling as possible. Which is why I'm how how strange is it as a parent to say, oh, I'm glad my kid had got a severe concussion because she opted to bail out. I'm thankful for that. You know, she can use anything athletically to her let it be uh for a major university or something like that. You know, let her parlay her passion into what she's good at, you know, sporting wise. Because I mean, you're given looks, you're given brains, and you're given athletic ability. You know, uh, I don't think there's any much more that I should, you know, that I could step in and advise her of what to do unless it's something financially to build credit or something along those lines that she hadn't figured out herself. Oh, is another piss break? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I also told her, too, you know, trying to keep her about as far away from the boys as possible. I was like, if anything, no. You, not wrestling, not wrestlers, no. Uh, this past week, sitting there talking to um, Jimmy Rave's daughter, and it's just like, mm -hmm. oof. The week, uh, a couple weeks before that, it was the late Tarzan Godo's son. So it's like the way that these people are left to pick up all the broken pieces is just as a parent it's just disheartening and it's just you, you know that's rough. that's part that's part of 
that's part of the importance of saying things on the record the way I like to do is because now, now, uh, Jimmy's daughter reached out to me just like minutes after she talked to you. And I had, I was able to go, Hey, did you listen to the podcast I did with your dad? And I sent her that. And like that, that's like, she's like, Oh my God, I have this now forever. This is, this is something so cool. And this is like, this is a clearer version of him than I'm, than I've heard on other podcasts. This is like really just him being him. And that's just something that, that I, I get to have now that I got to create that. It prompts me to go back and listen to it myself, believe it or not. (laughs) It's, it's a, it's a cool, it's a cool, uh, motivation for me to continue to beat my drum the way I do. And that's exactly, that's exactly part going back to answering that question about like what, what keeps me going. And it's not just about what keeps me going in the ring, but it's what keeps me going with all the things that I'm doing, because it's really like, it's really like each one of those things is serving the other thing. I'd like it to be cyclical in that way. Yeah, it just to me it just fascinates me with certain guys. It's like, what would keep them hanging in there? Obviously, they've gotten it out of their system. That, you know, that feeling that you had when you couldn't wait to climb in the ring and you couldn't wait to lock up with somebody and show off your stuff. And then eventually, as time goes on, like that feeling kind of fades, but other things pick up. Like you're concerned with your own health, or you're like, oh, I need to sweat off a few pounds or whatever. It's there for you, you know. Um, how many wrestlers have went through a divorce that have looked at me and told me, and I'll tell you what, if it wasn't for wrestling, I wouldn't have known what the hell I would have done because, you know, I didn't want to go home because it was the same house that we were living in, this, that, and the other. And you're just like, God, I, you know, you wouldn't think that something like wrestling would be like that therapeutic. Well, it's a, it's a happy distraction. What the hell am I yawning for? Oh, I did. Happy. <laughs> so, uh, I want to I want to thank you. Uh the 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 thank you will also go to whoever sat through this uh and listened to our conversation. Uh the, the what what's what's important to me is uh is the currency of effort. The currency of effort is so much more valuable than monetarily because like the, the you could be doing anything else in the world other than listening to this or other than being here and, and chatting with me and hanging out with me. I want to make sure that I extend to you how important it is that like, if you ever feel like you you're going through something and you need a friend and it's just like, you want a judgment free conversation with somebody and no shame at all, reach out to me. Really? I'm, I'm your friend and I'm here. And that goes for anybody listening, anybody watching, Dude, I'm a real person. I'm gonna to respond to you. Like that's my just door. Is, ex- the funny thing is, my door has always, 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 always been open to friends. And I see some people. You know, I would rather people take advantage of that versus people taking advantage of. You know, just you know. Well, how do I get? Uh, uh, once I'm there, how do I get other bookings? You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather somebody took advantage of my friendship and just kicked it with me and told me how their day was and. You know, and that kind of thing. Um, people do that, then and take advantage of it. Then just take it for granted and be like, "Well, yeah, you know, like I have other friends." And you know, uh, <laughs> and, and that's the funny thing. I was I was telling my kid a couple of days ago. I go, if you notice, 
our door has always been open to everybody. How many random weirdos, strangers, girls I've dated, like wind up spending the night here and all that crap. Like, you know, I'd like to think that I was there for somebody that there was, there was no agenda that, um, not because, Oh, I'm a great person or no, because you could, you could actually use a friend of mine, a friend, my friendship. Because, you could actually use, yeah, yeah. You'd expect you'd expect that to be paid forward, like someone afforded someone afforded me uh, s- space to to speak my mind, or someone gave me a platform, or someone someone allowed my platform to be something that that entered into their ears and their eyes. Pay that shit forward. Pay that shit always yeah. forward. Um, That's me uh, too. If you if you wonder why, uh, you know, not to take attention away from it or anything. If you wonder why, occasionally I'm sitting here and I'm doing this. It's because I'm taking a screenshot. I was going to put it on <laughs> social media and be like, "Yeah, I did this thing," and um, it's therapeutic. Honest to God, in the weirdest way therapeutic like getting on someone's podcast and just talking and you know, like just everybody's got stuff that they want to get off their chest other people use it as like a format to oh let me talk shit about this person or bury that person if i'm if you're the type of person i talk bad about chances are you really went out of your way to earn that shit because it takes a couple times you know it's just not initially somebody could rub me the wrong way but then eventually i put up with them because i see them in the same places wrestling the same people. So, you know, I try to be passive about it, but, uh, there's not many people that I could like talk bad about. There's a few, but not a lot. Me too. There's a handful where on public record. I'm like, screw that guy. What an asshole, you know, like, (laughs) but I don't, I don't use it as a, I never use something like this as a forum to be like, ah, let's just trash on this guy. And the truth, everybody should know the truth on this guy. People don't know by now. Who has a far worse agenda, far more pissed off, who got ripped off for far much more or what have you. Um, I'm just the guy to either stand there and back it up or the guy that's going to offer my side of the story. What happened with me or what have you. Um, I'm not the kind of guy that's like, I'm going to get I'm going to get even with him. I'm going to fucking bury him on this podcast. (laughs) Funny enough, the way the way we wrap up the show, the way we wrap up every time. Is like I'll tell you that hypothetically I've gifted you this show, and uh, this has been the first episode of your new podcast, Evolving with with Tony Myers, episode <laughs> one. In a very, in a very, in a very yeah, Jerry yeah, Springer's point. final thought. What's that? I know at one point you had walked me through. You're going to walk me through how to get my own podcast, and I'm just like, there's already a plethora. There, there's a, already enough hosts out there like Corey Kaus. I could do far better than me. But, uh, well, well, you see, well, you see, man. No one else has your expertise. No one else has your has lived the, the type of life that you've lived. E- no, exactly nobody else had as much passion. Uh, nobody else had uh, common sense. Like a or I just haven't, or I just like refuse to grow up or something or refuse to go away or, you know, 
So in in a, in a very in a very Jerry Springer's final thought type Jerry of way, Spring. how would you how would you do the 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 wrap everything in a pretty bow and give us the the most valuable takeaways to evolve to a better version of ourselves tomorrow than we are today? Well, no matter what it is, uh, whether you, oh, God, I want to quit smoking. Oh, gee, I want to stop using recreational drugs. Oh, man, my my resolution should be, you know, eat healthier or whatever. It's like, well, guess what? If you think you're hungry and you look at something and you go, oh, God, that's basically crap. Well, then guess what? You're not hungry. Um, if you don't have the money to do drugs, you better find a new habit or a new hobby because um, <laughs> obviously you don't have that kind of money to be using that kind of strong drugs or what have you. I mean, the, the way I've always seen it is um, it's always out there, man. Uh, you know, the yin and yang sign, the balance of mankind. Uh, boy, it applies to so much of life where you don't want to overexceed this, that, and the other. I have literally, and I sat and I watched it through Corona Zoo, where people have just gotten themselves in such terrible shape or stay so inactive. You're not doing it for cosmetic purposes. You're doing it because it feels disgusting. If you're going to haul around 330 pounds of just, dude, that's like, that's like me or you strapping like the inside of a waterbed to ourselves and walking around with it every day. You know, like, geez, it's not doing it for, it's not doing it for any kind of cosmetic, nothing. It's as if to say, like, hey, you know, one, you accomplished something, and two, it'll add some years on your life. So, I mean, no matter what it is, you're going to have to balance it out and do it in moderation. I I've learned that so much the hard way. And I don't even know if I'm putting it into the right words right now because I've never thought about it out loud. I've always just, you know, walked along a street and just kind of, you know, gotten a walk in and then be like, huh, how would I put this into thought? How would I put this into words, my thoughts right now? So I don't even know if that came out all right, but makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> now, now normally, normally I ask, normally I ask if you have any impressions, uh, and ask that inside of that impression, say the catchphrase of the show, how we wrap up every time, would normally be, "Be fun, have safe, keep evolving." But I was going to ask you if you could say that, but in Japanese. Mm. What was it? Be safe. Be fun, have safe, keep evolving. Mm. In other words, uh, have fun. Yeah, Tanoshi, Tanoshimi des. Yeah, be safe. Kyoskete, best way to say it. Kyoskete, be safe. Be careful. When you're doing something, use that precaution. Kyoskete, which has to be pronounced and said that way. Otherwise, the word means nothing. <laughs> it's almost like you're mocking Japanese when you're actually saying it out loud like them. Dajobu, mm -hmm. mondanai. Not a problem. No problem at all. Thank you so much. Thank you so here, much for doing this. Here's another good one. Yeah, buddy. As in, I understand. I got what you mean. Yeah, buddy. 
That was yeah, always much. a funny word to me. <laughs> Whenever I would listen to him pronounce it, I'd be like, what? Like, yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it means, oh, yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for all your attention. The effort of your, the currency of your effort is very much appreciated. Uh, make sure you hit the like and subscribe, comment so that I know that you exist. Follow me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Corey Castle, on all the other platforms at Corey Castle. C O R Y K A S T L E, as it says right here on the screen, if you're watching the video. Be kinder to yourselves, be kinder to everybody else, be fun, have safe. Keep evolving. Thank you so much for the platform. Thank I still you. feel I owe you, man.